Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. We're in a brand new series, 2020, where we're talking about the difference in a brand new year is having the right perspective. Because in reality, when you think about it, we don't always see things as they are, as much as we see things as we are. And so it's important that we get a, a proper perspective on all the things that happen in our life. And what we've been saying throughout the series thus far is that it is possible for everyone in the room to experience the best of times and the worst of times at the very same time. You can be blessed on one hand and you can be greatly burdened on the other hand. It is possible to look at your life in one way and say, I'm so excited, and yet on another way you say, but I'm so concerned and I'm so full of anxiety. And both of those things can be happening at the same time. It's kind of this divine dichotomy that we experience in life. It's what Jesus was talking about in John 10, 10 when he said, over here you have the enemy coming to kill, steal, and destroy, but over here you have the Lord who comes to give life and give it to the full. Both of those things happening at the same time in the very same verse. So what I wanna challenge you to do, and I hope it's a challenge, but I wanna challenge you in these weekend uh, sessions that we're together in these services is simply do this. Learn how to control what you can control. So much of your life you cannot control. My dad used to say you can't keep the birds from flying above your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. There's certain things you can control. And so we open the series by talking about the fact that you can control the thoughts you think. You can. I'm in control of the thoughts I think. The Bible says don't be overcome with evil, overcome evil with good. The Bible says let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 12 that we can have a mind that is renewed. Ziegler used to say you need a checkup from the neck up to get rid of the stinking thinking. (laughs) And the reason that's so important is because we will go in the direction of our thoughts, right? You're here this morning because you first thought yourself here. You're wearing what you're wearing this morning because you thought about what you're going to wear. So our thoughts are powerful. The most powerful thing God has given us is our mind. And so that's one one of the things I can control. The second thing we talked about last weekend is not only the thoughts that I think, but the words that I speak. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 24, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. So whatever's down in your heart will eventually work its way out in your mouth. You say you can't really read my mind. Well, sorta. You don't know what's in my heart. Well, I kind of (laughs) do. If we hang out long enough and I listen to what is the weight of your words, the preponderance of what you talk about is a direct reflection of what you're thinking about. So when your mind is running in a certain direction and it is dominating your thinking, it will be reflected through your speaking. So not only do I talk about thinking about what I think about, but I talked about being careful the things that I speak about. Because words have power. Jesus said in John 6, words have the power to get into your spirit. You can be hurt physically, you can be bruised and scarred, and you can move on from physical harm, but when you are uh, the victim of injurious words, those words go beyond the physical, they get down into your spirit. 
That's why everyone in the room can remember something that was said that was hateful or hurtful to you. You could remember something that was said to you when you were a child because those words have so much power. So I just said, tap the brake, think before you speak, because what you're gonna speak will be the things that you think. <laughs> so we talked about that which we are in control of, my thoughts, my words. Now, this weekend, I wanna take the next logical step in that progression, and I wanna talk about another thing that you and I can control, and that is the choices that we make. We're in charge of the choices that we make. If you want a, be a better life, make better choices. <laughs> I mean, you and I all are responsible for the choices we make. Now, the reality is, you have a GPS in your car, you set your destination. This is where I'm trying to go, this is what I'm going to go to Met Church, this is how I want to get there, put it in ways or whatever, and it'll navigate you around an accident, it'll try to find you the best way, get you around construction, so you can have your, listen, you can have your destination dialed in, but the secret to reaching your arrival is in the choices you make between here and there, Right? All that little gal on GPS to do, can tell you to do is give you the best advice, but you're in charge of the car. <laughs> so there are a number of choices you're going to make. You, you may go to dinner here in just a little while when we break up. You may head out, and you may know where you're going to go, but the reality is you've got to make a choice. I turn left, I turn right, I need to tap the brake, I need to accelerate. What do I need to do? Turn on the sig turn signal? You, so I'm saying there are so many decisions you and I make that are uh, essential to reaching our destination. So when you set a goal and you say, this is what I want to do in 2020, this is where I want to be with my family, with my finances and my business, the reality of it is the uh, success of reaching that goal will be tied to the choices you make. I've said before, it isn't your five-year plan that is nearly as essential as your five-minute plan. If you take care of the next five minutes, the next five years tend to take care of it himself. Make good choices here and make good choices now. It is so essential. Have you ever, ever met anybody that gets, just gets stuck on stupid? <laughs> I mean, they just make one bad choice after the, another bad choice and they're just stuck on stupid. And they never, now I didn't say they're stupid, I say they make stupid choices. And the reality of it is all of us are gonna make dumb choices from time to time. We're gonna get, we're gonna make those stupid choices. Just don't get stuck on stupid. <laughs> I mean, recognize that we have a propensity, we have the potential to make bad decisions, but don't let that dominate or don't let it be something that marks the direction of our life. Learn from the mistakes. You study anyone in the Bible, then what you're gonna find that in the scripture, there are good examples of good examples and there are good examples of bad examples. It's all there. And you see some of the greatest, most godly, uh, most gifted people in the world making some of the craziest decisions in the world. So I'm saying it's just inherent in our human nature to make bad calls, to make bad choices from time to time. So I, I, I'm not saying that uh, you know, to make a bad choice in and of itself is, is an ender. I'm just saying don't let that bad decision making be something that becomes a pattern for your life. And one of the greatest examples that I want to share with you this morning of a man who made some life-altering decisions that affected his effectiveness for the rest of his life was Moses. Everybody's heard about Moses, right? The name Moses means to be drawn out. That's what his name means, to be drawn out. He was drawn out of the water, discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, he was drawn out of Egypt to be a great leader. And the reality of it is, God was drawing something out of his life. He's drawing something out of your life this morning. He's drawing a great leader out of your life this morning. 
He's drawing a, a great friend out of your life this morning. He's drawing a great spouse out of your life this morning. God is in the business of drawing something out of you and out of me this morning. So the secret to being effective in that process is in the choices that we make. And look with me in Hebrews 11, it's the faith chapter of the Bible, and notice what it says concerning Moses, and I wanna underscore about four choices he makes that I hope will help you this morning. Hebrews 11:24. by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming reproach of Christ is greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. All right. The first choice Moses made was number one, he chose to define his identity. He chose to define his, here's what I mean by that. He was a young man who was a Hebrew, think about it. His parents, Amran and Jochebed, uh, were living under the edict of Pharaoh who said, these Hebrew kids, we're getting too many, they're gonna overrun Egypt if we don't do something about it. So he commanded that all these little male baby boys be put to death. Amram and Jochebed said, not our boy. They're not gonna kill our Moses. And so you remember the story how she hid him in the bulrushes and had his sister kind of as a watch lookout. And one day it happened to be the very place that Pharaoh's daughter was going to bathe herself and she discovers baby Moses floating in that little basket. And boy, her maternal instincts, instincts kick in and she loved that boy. She picked that baby up and decided to raise him. And of course, Moses' sister ran and said, I got the perfect nanny for you. And so it's an incredible story how that Moses' mom was able to raise him and influence him in Pharaoh's palace and Pharaoh paid her to raise her own kid. That's a pretty sweet deal. And so you have this competing influence. Think about it. You have Moses on one hand who is a Hebrew learning about his heritage from his mother, no doubt, but being raised in an Egyptian culture. There were cultural differences there were theological differences. I mean, Egypt had their own pagan gods and their own sort of way of how a person reaches heaven. If you've traveled to Egypt and you've visited, you've seen the hieroglyphics that they have on a lot of their tombs that denote how a person reaches heaven. So Moses was, was taught all of the religious uh, thinking and teaching of their day. And yet he's got his mom over here who is a Hebrew telling him about a Messiah that is coming one day. So I'm saying this young man was having to determine, am I going to live in an Egyptian culture and be able to continue on as Pharaoh's son, or do I identify with my heritage and identify with the Hebrew people who were at that time subservient? And so he was having to make a decision, he was having to define his identity. And the Bible says, and don't miss this, this happened when he came of age, right? Did you catch that? In other words, when he was old enough to make a decision. Now, eventually, everyone in the room will reach a point where they need to decide and determine their identity. And the most significant thing that you can determine about who you are is first and foremost to determine your spiritual identity. Here's why that's important. 
I believe this morning, and not just because of my profession, but I really believe this morning, your spiritual life is the most significant part of you. Now, you would expect me to say that, right? But I really do believe that when you consider how Paul describes us in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul said, I pray that your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. Uh, We call that in theological circles, trichotomy. You are a spirit, you are a soul inhabiting a body. Some have it as dichotomy, spirit and soul are synonymous, you know, potato, potato. I just look at it what Paul said, spirit and soul and body. So let me give it to you another way. I think we are emotional, we are physical, we are spiritual, right? And we're going to build our life on one of those foundations. Now you say, I'm gonna build my life on my physical foundation. Well, you can do that. You can work out, exercise, diet, do all that stuff. Get yourself in shape. I mean, I'm in shape, rounds of shape. So you can get yourself in shape. You can work out hard. You can do that. But the problem is, if that's the foundation upon which your life is built, what do you do when you're, you break down physically, right? You get sick, you get injured. Then that which you're building on becomes broken and unstable and uncertain. All right, on the other hand, you can say, well, I'm gonna uh, not build my foundation off of my physical well-being. I'll do it off my emotional well-being. I'll have good friends. uh, I'll make good decisions. I'll try to be as emotionally healthy as I possibly can. And and I say, go for it. I think that's important and significant. Just as your physical well-being is important, so is your emotional health, and we ought to strive to be emotionally healthy. But what I know about my emotional health, and I'll go so far as to say probably of yours as well, is it's probably the shallowest part of our existence. Because it is the most unstable and uncertain of all of my, how many of us have been all over the page emotionally already today, right? Happy, sad, doing good, not doing good. Excited about going to church till that moron doesn't let you on the freeway. And then all of a sudden, man, you go from zero to angry in a heartbeat, right? So I'm just saying, emotion, we're just, woo, woo, we go all over the page. You're blessed one minute and then you're not the next minute. I mean, it's, well, you're everywhere. It's doubtful that God, listen, it's doubtful that God will do his deepest work in the shallowest part of our being. So I don't believe my emotional state is solid enough to build my life on, right? So track with me. So if it's not physical, not emotional, what do you got left? Spiritual. Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 3, there's not a better foundation, foundation, building your life on, not a better foundation that can be laid than the foundation which is laid, that is Christ Jesus. Not your religion, your relationship to Christ. So once you come to terms with that and connect with your creator, your spiritual life becomes foundational. Remember the the illustration Jesus gave in Matthew of building uh, your, your house on the sand or building it on the rock? Mary talked about that a few weeks ago. And when you're building on Christ, you're building on something that is solid. When storms hit, the house may fall in, but you're on something solid. You can begin again. Plan B, plan C, plan D. Some of us are on G, H, and F. So you can rebuild. You can begin again because your foundation is solid and sure. So what's my point? My point is the most significant thing you can do is to identify with your creator to connect with the God who created and designed you, who gifted you to connect with him. And man, when your desire aligns with your design, that's powerful. We talked about Ecclesiastes 3, to everything there is a season. There is a time to every purpose under heaven. As long as we have purpose, God will give us time. And the most significant thing about fulfilling purpose is the choices that we make along the way. 
And what better way to discover God's purpose for my life than when I align with him as my creator and I do as Moses did, I step away from the Egyptian way of of thinking and the Egyptian way of considering how you reach heaven and I embrace the Hebrew way of believing there is a Messiah coming. We believe the Messiah did come. His name is Jesus. And we accept him as savior and all of a sudden we say, I'm a Christ follower. I have now, number one, defined my identity. So let me ask you, have you made that choice? Have you settled that? I believe it's the most important and the most significant decision of life that decision to align with the creator. So number one, you have this, we're, we're talking about things we can control, we can define the identity. Number two, accept responsibility. And man, this is a powerful principle, accept responsibility. He knew, when you read verses 24 and 25, Moses knew his decision would have a ripple effect. It was going to affect people in the palace, it was gonna affect people in the Hebrew community. No one makes a decision in a vacuum. And so I'm suggesting to you that when you and I make decisions, we have to realize there can be collateral damage. It's a ripple effect. Uh, it'll affect the people closest to you, whatever choice you make. Whatever decisions you make will affect those who know you best, love you most. And I'm just saying whether the decision is a right one or a wrong one, whether the decision is a good one or a bad one, own it, own it. Just simply say, this is my decision, I've made this decision and I'm gonna stand by my decision. This is my choice, this is what I've chosen to do. And what's an incredible thing is to realize he was mature, he came of age and he said, I'm gonna identify with my heritage, with my Hebrew uh, people, I'm gonna believe that God has designed me for a purpose and I'm gonna align my purpose with him and he accepts responsibility. And man, when you track the story and you read about all the stuff that Moses, that happened to him, uh, the Hebrew people didn't really accept him. They thought he was kind of a, a, a mole, you know, hiding among them uh, to, to kind of rat him out to Pharaoh, right? So they didn't really buy. So he was having to prove himself. He was going through this time of testing where he was rejected. And then the, his Egyptian family were going, what's he thinking? What's you talk about? You talk about leaving the uh, uh, what's the name uh, in uh, uh, England? Uh, um, the prince and his wa uh, uh, wife just what's that called? Uh, not Brexit. It's the other one. That one. <laughs> you talk about you talk about a, you talk about that being a story. Imagine Moses now as the uh, son of Pharaoh, accepted by Pharaoh, and he says, "Don't want it anymore." I'm stepping away from that life. I don't want that anymore. And you talk about the ridicule of the Egyptian people and the, um, the uh, not sarcasm, but kind of suspicion of the Hebrew people. He was kind of in no man's land. And I just don't want you to miss this because this is significant. He knew he was making the right decision for himself and he accepted responsibility. He didn't blame his Egyptian family. He didn't fault his mom and say, well, mom's been pressuring me to make this. No, he owned his decision. Let me give you two principles I take away from this and maybe this will help you. Principle number one is we cannot blame anyone for the direction of our life. I can't blame anyone for the direction of my life. Somebody says, well, my mom didn't allow me to have sweets after 10, so now I'm a serial killer. Really? Listen, you and I can be hurt by people. We can be scarred by people. 
We can be betrayed by people, but please hear me, no one can ruin our life without our permission. God won't, the devil can't. You have to empower someone and give them that kind of control to affect you in that way. So own it. I'm taking responsibility for my actions. I cannot blame anyone for the direction of my life. And number two, second principle under this, I cannot live off of anyone else's commitments. I can't. Now, I'll be honest with you, it'd be amazing to be able to hire someone to diet and exercise for me. Sweet Jesus, wouldn't that be awesome? Would that be, to think about that. I mean, really, you say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab some babes and a bucket of Bluebell, but I'm gonna need about another 30 minutes out of you, Joker, on that uh, treadmill. <laughs> now, don't give me that, and I'm gonna need you doing some planks, because I'm eating a little more mashed potatoes, so come on now, don't quit on me. I'd get a good chair, and I'd pay them well. But wouldn't that be awesome to be able to have someone do that kind of work for us physically, and we benefit from it? Doesn't work that way, does it? Hey, it doesn't work that way spiritually. You, you can't, you can't uh, allow someone else to uh, do your praying for you. They can pray for you, but they can't do your praying for you. Uh, they can read the Bible and benefit from it, but they can't read the Bible and have a, have a direct benefit to you. You have to do it. So I'm simply suggesting that if I'm gonna get the benefit, I have to accept responsibility from, I have to define, this is who I am, this is who God has created me, I'm identifying my creator. Now as I begin to make choices, moving toward purpose, I'm gonna own them. No, but by the way, not just good choices, I'm gonna own the bad ones too. You know one of the great signs of a truly repentant person? Listen, one of the greatest signs of a truly repentant person is they don't blame anyone else but themselves. Well, if my wife had been, oh, my husband had been, well, the kids, well, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. A truly repentant person says, you know what? I'm not blaming anyone. I'm owning this. I'm a big boy. I made a big decision. It was the wrong one, but I'm owning it. And I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to do better because of it. You can work with anyone that does that. That's genuine repentance. That's genuine authenticity. So I'm saying accept those uh, responsibility for good and the bad. Second choice we make. Third choice, I'm in charge of determining my priority. I determine my priority. Look, the Bible says, in fact, it uses in verse 26 an accounting term. He esteemed, some translations have it. Some translations have it, he valued. It's an accounting term. Here's what it means. He weighed one against the other. And he made a decision based on his priority. I've shared this principle with you before. Let me give it to you again. You and I will either live according to the priorities that we establish or the pressure other people puts on us, right? Somebody's gonna be large and in charge of you. Might as well be you. I'm just saying, uh, people who fall into this mold of being people pleasers, have you ever done that? Some of you maybe struggle with being a people pleaser. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody wants people to like them. People who don't care if anybody likes them scare me a little bit, I'll be honest with you. I don't I just care what anybody thinks about me. I just gave them a piece of my mind. Well, most people who are quick to give other people a piece of their mind don't have enough of that to share. (laughs) 
So I'm just suggesting to you that it is possible, it is possible to make a good decision, not based on the pressure people puts on me, but the priorities I've established for me. And by the way, the most miserable person in the world is that person that has done everything for everyone else and they try to make everyone happy and they get home and they are so miserable because they are unhappy. And if you're not careful, you will find yourself doing the most for the people who appreciate it the least. And you'll have no energy left for the people who love you. You come home and take it out on them, right? Because you have sought to please everybody all day long and you get home to the people who really love you. And you know, somebody said, home is where you go when you're tired of being nice to people. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Because let me tell you, those people that you're seeking to please, you get sick, they're not gonna be there for you. I promise you they're not gonna do for you what I did for my Cindy. They're not gonna give you medicine and take you to doctor's appointments and get to that point where you bathe them and you dress them and you, you take care of them. They don't love you like that. So I'm just saying at the end of the day, establish some priorities and love the people in your life that matter most, love them most, and the other people bump them down your list a little more. I can give you some biblical priorities. In Genesis, he says, in the beginning, God, I would tell you the first priority is God, not God in relation to religion, but God in relation to your relationship. Love him. Second thing is your spouse, your spouse. He put Adam and Eve in the garden together and they loved each other, that's a priority to me. Third one is the kids. You love those kids and you take care of those little boogers, they're not there that long. By the way, the only thing you can take to heaven with you when you leave will be your children. Can't take possessions and they're important. You can take your kids. So you got God, you got your spouse, you got your kids. Uh, the fourth thing I would tell you have is your work, your career. Remember what God said to Adam when he put him in the garden? Take care of this place. Tend the garden. Take care of this. Somebody says, well, if sin had never entered the garden, we'd never have to work. Not true. Reread it. Sin, uh, work was instituted before sin ever entered the picture. So we need to work. And so I'm suggesting to you that he established that as an important priority for our good. So I have my God, I have my spouse, I have my kids, I have my job. And then there was worship, the form of worship. Now you and I today would say, that's a relationship to a church. So that's a priority. And then you can make five friends, six, dog, seven, whatever. But you're free, go crazy. But the point is, I'm just saying, don't miss this point. Uh, determine your priority. Say, this is what's important to me. And you know what you'll find when you live according to those priorities? You'll find that it's easier to tell people no. You'll find that it's easier to say, I can't get to that this week. I'm sorry. If I do that, I'm going to violate one of these other things. So I'll, I'll get to that. I can't do that now. So live according to priority. Here's the last one and we'll go home. The last thing you have the uh, 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 absolute uh, freedom to do, you're in charge of, is fourthly, to choose your authority. What do I mean by that? I mean, choose the one in your life that matters most in terms of the direction of your life because as the great Bob Dylan sang about, we're gonna serve somebody. <laughs> we're gonna serve somebody. And I choose, as Moses chose, to pursue God. 
It's part of him defining who he was. He was going to be a follower of the Hebrew God. And throughout his life, he chose that as his authority. My point is, it was the governing authority. It gave him direction for every decision throughout his life was the connection he had with his Savior. And I say that's important because, listen, that has to be established every day. You have to choose your authority every day. Why? I have an old nature, you have an old nature competing. The old nature wants control, the new nature wants control. Uh, Remember what he said in uh, Romans 12. He says, present your bodies living sacrifices. So it's a living, and I told you the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. (laughs) it's alive it's alive and so every day it has to be offered every day I wake up I have to say God help me to serve you honor you by serving and honoring someone else help me to live according to priority help me to make good decisions today help me to own the decisions that I make help me to be conscious and aware of the fact you have a purpose for me you've given me life today for that reason help me make good decisions and to follow you in the way you would have me to go it is a daily choice. And finally, when Moses went to heaven, I love the promise that God gave to Joshua who followed him. Listen to this in Joshua 1.5. Joshua, no one is going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Listen, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Be strong, be courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. What's the point? The point is God was saying to Joshua, this is what I did for Moses. I, I gave him strength. I gave him courage. I le- he led the people, literally, he led them all the way to the banks of the Jordan. And God says, you did make a bad choice back there. I'm going to pull you, take you home. You're coming to the big house. I'm going to let Joshua take him across the river and go on into the land of Canaan. But don't be afraid. I won't leave you just as I didn't leave him. I won't forsake you just as I did not forsake him. Ladies and gentlemen, Moses made choices that changed his life. And I submit to you this morning, if we make those choices, it will make a difference in our life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that never returns void. I pray, Father, that we won't just be people who hear it, but that we'll be people who practice it. And I just ask this morning, Lord, that you would bless every individual, every family, every business represented in this room. Help us to understand the principles in your word are timeless. They're very practical, and yet when we employ them, they're very powerful. I pray for some who are in this room who've never really come to terms with their faith. They've never truly connected with their creator. That this might be a moment where they just humble their heart And just simply say, God, with everything I know about me, I now trust everything I know about you. I want to identify with you. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to know my creator so that I can discover the purpose, so that I can make good choices, so that I can make a difference in someone's life. For those who need someone to pray for them before they leave, I I pray as soon as we dismiss, they'll find their way here to the front. Let someone spend a few moments just to encourage them and pray for them before they go. Bless us and protect us and watch over us, Father, we pray, till we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.